It's time for the Ant Hill Show. What's going on? Jason showing his love for George Kittle. I didn't, baby. Yeah, people side in. Getting it done. Again. We're going to be talking a little bit about Kittle uh, in this one as well. But, uh, Jason, 49ers get a tough win against the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't think anyone really expected it to be this tough. No. Uh, but at least when it came, push came to shove, the 49ers came out on top. That's what the good teams do. So, so I... I did have a little wager on this game, and I did have Niners covering the eight and a half, so I, I did lose on that end. I was bummed out, but bigger picture, we've seen Brock Purdy dominate games. We've seen him be quarterback for massive blowouts. What we hadn't seen yet was him in a tough environment leading a fourth quarter, second half comeback, and a potential, should have been, game-winning drive twice and he did that so i will take the amount of money that i lost because it gave him a chance to pretty um get to that stage of well we haven't seen this yet okay with yeah that box is now checked overall thought the game went pretty well it was good to see Ayuk to take take the game over it, it was good to see uh caffrey on the ball Jordan Mason had a, had a big time run for us. The O line played really well. Here comes one that I never thought I'd say. Last year, Max Crosby was the second team All Pro in front of '97. I even though '97 did not get a sack yesterday, I think we all saw who 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 the better edge player was because Max Crosby was owned the capital O by. Mike McGlinchey? Yeah. What? Uh, Where did that come from? Well, it's real simple. Mike McGlinchey's been playing his best football for like the last five weeks. Uh, And that's presumably when he started getting healthy. He was dealing with the rib. Uh, At the beginning of the year, he was dealing with the the leg coming out of the preseason. He had, you know, kind of tweaked it again. Uh, Nothing too serious. But he's been battling. You know, and now we're getting a healthy Mike McGlinchey. We're seeing a guy playing for a new contract. And he's playing at a pretty high level uh, with Max Crosby. I think it's a little bit, you know, overblown sometimes of how good he is. He's not on the same level as Nick Bosa. Close. Do I think he's one of the better guys in the league? Yeah, sure. Why Top not? 10, you know, he sure. does a pretty good job. Uh, but when it comes down to it, he's but. just not as good as Nick Bosa. And it's on display. Nick Bosa ends up being a tremendously pivotal to the 49ers defeating the Raiders in this football game. And yeah, I flipped a slide to Brock Purdy when you were talking about it, but we'll go back to the Raiders a little <laughs> bit. Uh because you know, I mean, this game was not exactly what 49er fans were expecting. But you're, you know, the things that you brought up was it was good for this 49ers team to go through a matchup like this. They've been handling teams by double digit points really over a, a pretty good span. Yeah, they, they have the largest margin of victory in, on average in the entire league. So they haven't really had to play close games. And it's at some point later this month or hopefully next month, they might have a close game so it was good to see them have to handle that pressure handle that that environment too yeah what i loved was uh you saw all the things that needed to happen down 10 in the third quarter come back take the lead uh you know the go down and score raiders go down and score then you go right back and put yourself in an opportunity to kick a winning field goal and i thought that you know a lot of times when you're on the road like that you miss that field goal at the end of the game 
you could easily tank, but yep. the defense showed up. Nick Bosa made a play. Tyshawn Gibson make a play. And I love that Kyle Shanahan turns right back to Robbie Gold and says, you know what? Kick this one through because what it does is just prove that he he knows that he's going to need Robbie Gold in the playoffs. And you don't run the risk of fumbling a snap, fumbling the football. You just get it done. Since we're both coaches, we understand the psychology with our players. So I get that he – that. Bigger picture wise, it was the right play, but I just me personally, I would have loved because it was the Raiders and their fans are so stupid and run their mouth so damn much, just to just to hand it off and just power it right through and just be like, sit the damn this game's over, and go home. But I do understand what you're, you you are right though. Bigger picture, it was good to get the ball right back to Robbie's hand. You know, like in basketball, guy misses a, a shot, I want to get that him that the shot that next play. Like, hey man, you got this. I know, but there's a part of me that just was like, it's first to go with the two. Let's just power right through and be like, get out of here with stuff, boys. But yeah. Yeah. A lot of times it's very smart. If somebody makes a mistake, someone drops a pass, someone yeah. throws an interception, you go right back to them. Uh, you know, you, the quicker they get that behind them, the better. Do I think Robbie Gold ultimately needs that? No. He's a veteran in this league that understands you're going to make a lot of kicks and you're going to miss, a, you know, some here or there. Uh, but I thought Kyle Shannon also did something smart is by going out there on second down after centering the football. If you have a bad snap or something, you, you, you get it, on yeah. it, you go ahead and you have another opportunity. Yep. So that was smart. And the 49ers had all the situations that you need to have in a game and they played great situational football. Once again, I would like to point out too, we, we talk a lot about the offense and the defense, but the special teams continues to play it's gotten better very every week. good football. Yep. And Mitch Wisnowski, his punt wasn't great out of his old end zone, but I think everyone needs to remember he's also been dealing with illness all week. So yep. uh, that flu that's going around is no joke, and it seems to be going through the 49ers locker room right now. Yep, it's it's been going around all NorCal. I mean, yeah, I had it. It, it kicked my butt yeah. for sure. Uh, let's, Jason, let's talk about Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy – Wins his fourth game as a as a starting quarterback, fifth game overall, uh, and he he's done a very good job of you know just managing expectations, but also managing this team, you know, putting the players in the right situations to be successful. And I thought that did he have a couple of decisions that were close? Yes, you know, he did make the bad decision. He didn't see Amick Robertson, you know, had it fallen off and then got back. He should have thrown it over the top more to Kittle. But I thought that was a great learning experience. Coaches like when you have negative plays you can learn you can from. Build on. Exactly. Yeah, so I thought that was, you know, a good learning moment. But what did you think of Brock Purdy? So, uh, I, I was, because I, I figured we, we would discuss him yesterday. So I was watching. In terms of how he's played so far, I thought until the middle third quarter, I thought yesterday was probably his worst game in that, he, he, he was late on a couple throws. He missed some guys. He didn't see, see the field as well as he normally has. So I didn't think it was his best game, but I also thought it was his, maybe his most important game for the stuff that we talked about earlier, having to come back, having to have a late fourth quarter drive, all, all that kind of stuff. So when when we absolutely needed him to play, he got the ball out quick, and it, it, was, it, it was on target, on point. But if we were to do the letter grade, I probably would have given, given him – a C C plus like I, I really wow. did. he uh, and it's mostly because we had guys open and he he didn't he he didn't either see him or he didn't get, get, or it was a bad throw so and all, all that being said we we still scored thirty seven points so <laughs> you know it's 
it's it's nitpicky, but at the same time, when we have Kittle over the top and he's wide open and he, he he's got you know this much space between him and the DB, that ball needs to be here so he he can catch it and and go. And he missed, I believe he missed Tyler Croft, who was one time wide open too. It, it just it's th- things like that where it's like, not the end of the day. On that particular play, they had a completion. They gained seven, eight yards out of it, but it could have been a 20, 30, 40-yard play if he had seen him. So Here's the thing. He missed Tyler Croft. You're right. But uh, both that one and the George Kittle one are tough You know, because he missed George Kittle on what would have been a, a deep crosser. He hits yeah. Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey ends up you know, getting 16, 17 yards. Yeah. It's a great gain. Did he miss him? Yes. Are those bigger plays? Yes. Is that usually what he takes? Absolutely. Here's the thing. With both of those situations... It's happening just as he's about to release the ball. That's when those guys are coming open. So I think with Tyler Croft, you gotta you're rolling left, and then what do you never tell a quarterback to do? Don't throw back across. Where was Tyler Croft? Middle of the field. So he's got to throw back across, right? Yeah. He's got to throw this way. So I think what he was trying to do is make a good decision. Did ultimately he make you know the decision that would have been a touchdown? No. Was he seeing the field the best that he's ever seen it? No. But what I did like was you talked about the first half of the game, you know, potentially being one of his worst that we've seen performance-wise. In that situation, he still had two touchdowns, That's one to I mean, Ayuk like, and one to George Kittle. The one to Kittle was nice. Right. That was a heck of a play. It was a I'll great get, throw. It was. Uh, and the one to Ayuk, he throws right in the window. That was about that big of right. window, too. So, what I mean, like, like I I feel like he's earned the right to be evaluated. Like, if Jimmy had played the exact same game that he had yesterday, I'd have been like, That's a good game for Jimmy. Right, but what we've seen from Purdy, you know, being able to get the ball downfield, being able to see guys being open, for him, the scale is a little bit different. I evaluate him a little harder, shall we say, because I've seen him do the things that we wanted to see for Jimmy for five damn years now. So that that's why I give him the harder. No, I under, I understand where you're coming from, and you know I don't think by any means Brock Purdy thought he had the greatest game ever. Um, do I think that he looked human at moments? Yeah, we seen still seen all the great things, right? The escapability, yep. avoiding sacks, throwing the football away like he did in the end zone to be able to prevent getting a safety. Uh, there are some a lot of things to like. But what was nice was that the Raiders threw a lot of different coverage and a lot of personnel groupings at him. That he had not seen yet. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people forget that there's a Ryan. It's not Buddy. It's not, you know, Rex. But Rob Ryan is there on staff as a senior defensive assistant. I knew there was going to be some weird stuff, pre- some pretty good <laughs> blitzes and probably some pretty unique uh, coverages. And that's what they threw at him. And so I think that it was a good learning experience for Brock. But once Brock settled in and once Kyle Shanahan settled into what the Raiders were doing, the offense produced at a high level. And once again, here we go with a 49ers team that's scoring plus 30. If you score plus 30 in football games, you should be able to win every single game you're in. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I I think you're right, though. I don't think it was Purdy's best. I probably wouldn't give him a C plus. I'd probably give him a B minus because leading your team down the field in crunch time twice, uh, that's that's pretty that's remarkable. True. But I, I do get what you're saying, though, because, I mean, at one point he was at two touchdowns, but like 38 yards past. <laughs> it was, like, it was whoa, pretty interesting. the yards pass. Uh, the people's tight end, George Kittle, uh, your your guy, Jason, uh, yes. another touchdown. He's been on fire. He's already broken his single-season record for touchdowns. He just keeps producing. Um, what did you think overall about, you know, George Kittle, and, and can he keep this production up? It seems like him and Kittle, George Kittle and Brock Purdy got a little bit of a synergy going. Got a little magic going. Yeah. I think he absolutely can, and I, I think he will because the way I'm looking at it 
But with Debo likely back next week versus the Cardinals, right? Debo's not, and, and Brock have have missed a lot of reps, so I don't think that it's, it's that 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 not that he trusts him, but he has a ton more reps with with Jennings and with Ayuk and and with Kittle. So I I think they'll get the ball to Debo, but I I, I think it's going to be a couple more weeks before they have the kind of chemistry that he has with, with, with everybody else because of Debo's injury. So Debo will, will be out there and he will attract attention. Yeah. But I think that will just make it easier for everybody else though, because, because of that chemistry and the reps. I think that makes a lot of sense. No, I mean, I think they're going to want to make sure this offense starts clicking at a high level. It's all about getting these guys, you know, into the right situations where you feel comfortable with how this offense is going to be clicking together. You know, and George Kittle is now up to 736 yards on the season. 56 receptions, nine touchdowns. Um, it feels like he's a, you know, he's a real option in this offense. Of course, of course, Brandon Uke is 41 yards away from 1,000. You know, they, they've had guys making plays. Christian McCaffrey's been, you know, fantastic with everything. But um, they need to reacclimate Debo Samuel into this offense. So that way, Brock Purdy can get used to having that extra weapon. Right now... Uh, they don't have a predominant weapon outside of George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and McCaffrey, right? You have those three, so you kind of get not, it's not it's not a bad three. No, right it's there. not. But I'm just not saying three at all. You get a rhythm with those guys. Yeah, yeah, when you is. have Ray Ray, that's a you know a support piece, and you have Juwan Jennings, that's a support piece. Um, that's that's a lot different than implementing a guy that now can be a focal part of yeah. your offense. So now they have to reacclimate him, and they have to get used to those four guys now being huge roles in the offense. I think what Kittle's done in Debo's absence has been spectacular. I think that, you know, some of the things that Brock Purdy's done is open things up for Kittle where he's able to have a little bit more time. He doesn't have to win right away, right? Yeah. He can kind of be able to use his strength, which is find extra spots uh, to get open. So I, I've been loving it, and I think that we are going to get a little bit of Debo Samuel uh, in this next game, and I'm excited about that. Very helpful. It's going to be nice. It's going to be real nice. And let's... Let's go ahead and talk about Ayuk and McCaffrey uh, because I think that they need to be recognized as well. Christian McCaffrey, I, I thought he had just an absolute fantastic game. Uh, over 121 yards. He had 121 yards rushing. You know, Then he has a 17 yards receiving. Um, so now he's over 1,000 yards on the season, eight rushing touchdowns. Of course, a little bit of that with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, that's something to remember. But Brandon Ayuk goes for nine and over 101 yards on the game, including a touchdown, Jason. So Brandon Ayuk uh, is is right there. You know he's he's getting close. He's got 956 yards, so it's 44 yards away uh, from getting a thousand yards. And more than likely, there could be another touchdown. I don't know if he'll get to double digit touchdowns, but him and Kittle are right around it. Yeah, no, I it's it, it. I was very happy to see on the the. This is kind of dumb, but the NFL's IG account they did a they they actually. Posted on their thing for every, every, the world to see a, a Brandon Ayuk thing on like Wednesday or Thursday, and it was just all about him and his great ability to run routes. And you see him just blowing by guys off the line. Just, and we saw that again on Sunday. His, his that he, he he runs that slant route so good, like it's it's it takes me back to our youth when we watched Jerry and To and JT and all those. All, all for a second, guys. when you said T.O., I didn't think you were going to say John Taylor. Oh, of course. You, you, you know I love John Taylor, I please. Know I do, too. Come on. You know I, I have a... You know, I, think, I think he he was a Hall of 
in life. Yeah, hadn't been for being next to Jerry and and, and even JJ Stokes was really good at at this at the old slant. So just watching that, I love it because that's you know, for thirty seven years. That's what right. I've been used to is that slant route. So I I love that route and and so that's that's part 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 partially why I lo- I love Ayuk so much is because he kind of reminds me of of all those guys and and how he plays and and how his is he's not he's not super fast but yet he gets a step on you and he 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 he's getting big yardage so i i just i love watching him play and i i was that catch that 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 he made on the one where where pretty got hit as he released it ball was just kind of going like this and we're all going oh god <laughs> oh god um he jumps up and snags it like it was a big time play. It just absolutely was. I was and and he, he his emergence since since especially since Devo's been out has been great to watch because I I I I think he's a Pro Bowl talent and I I think we're all starting to see what some of us had thought on him last year that like this guy could be really really good if he gets going and then Gaffrey I mean the the that little green ass he had there that that gave me momentary flashbacks to uh, Kittle in New Orleans just 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 trucking the whole team was like that was but I do want to say I don't, I don't want to hear any people talking about that like oh this is like the, the the New Orleans game not even close first of all the Raiders are trash and and, and that game was for the, the potentially for the, the the number one seed giant difference so everyone stops stop comparing the, those two games now Okay, but let's drop that. Caffrey's just like, like literally, is there is there anyone out there? And if, if there is, please comment. Do you care that we gave up four picks for him now? Like that should be a that that, that conversation needs to end already. Like he's he's through the first eight nine weeks that we've had him, he's proven that, that those those four picks will not be anything that we ever need to worry about ever again. Yeah, I don't think anyone's uh, regretting making that trade for Christian McCaffrey and. You know, McCaffrey and Ayuk have carried the load with Debo Samuel out. I think we've seen it in short spurts, McCaffrey against the Rams. You know, no Debo, uh, but he goes out there, he throws for one, he catches one. Like, he just, he can do it all. With Brendan Ayuk, I, I don't think it's been, you know, McCaffrey coming on the scene. McCaffrey is, right, He they haven't lost since he's had a full week of practice. No. He unlocked Kyle Shanahan's offense. I think with Ayuk, he's been the consistent player in this offense you know, they've had a lot of changes. You know, Kittle was out to start the season. Debo's been in and out of the lineup. Christian McCaffrey wasn't there at first. Uh, no Elijah you know, Mitchell. No Elijah Mitchell. Other quarterbacks. We're on our third quarterback. <laughs> True. But the consistency has been Brandon Ayuk. You know he's probably going to get five to six catches for around 80 yards every single game. And I think that's something that's nice. You have that dependability. We're starting to see him come on the scene. I think a lot of that has to go with how he prepared in the offseason, yep. where he got his body. He's physically stronger. He's faster. His routes are more nasty. Uh, he runs with complete violence when he's running his routes. This is what Kyle Shanahan was doing last year when everyone was complaining. Why is he in the doghouse? This is why you could get this player that you're getting right now, and now it could potentially pay the 49ers huge dividends as they go for a Super Bowl because what they did not have in 2019 that they have in Brandon Ayuk is somebody that can win one-on-one man coverage when you need it. He can get it done. This isn't Michael Crabtree, right? This isn't one of those guys you can body. He's going to get you, and if you lunge at him, he's got he's wide open. What what I've been saying to all to to our our, our group 
our, our little friend group is finally emerging that he will be our best pure wide receiver. And some other people who used to be on this network thought I was insane, but starting to see that not, not, not playmaker, not football player, but just purely as a wide receiver to do what wide receivers do. He does it better than anybody on our roster. Yeah, I mean, like it, it, it just is right. He's the he's probably the only pure wide receiver the 49ers have. Yeah. Uh, you know, Debo Samuel is a wide back. He's a he's a player. Christian McCaffrey's a run receiver. Uh, <laughs> right. This this is who they are. And then you've got George Kittle. You know, he's he does what he does, but he's a special kind of tight end because he can do it all. Yeah. Uh, the 49ers have absolute weapons. And Ayuk, they got him for a specific reason, so he could win those matchups. And just like he did on that fourth quarter drive, he could take over a football game. He did too, and he did. And could you imagine if they were having to pay attention to Debo Samuel? If that wasn't Jawan Jennings running the, this other slant inside on the double yeah. slant, if that was Debo, he probably would have scored a touchdown. He probably would have caught it and housed it. Uh, so yeah, it's nice to see the 49ers have weapons. And Jason, now it's time. You did it a little bit. But I want full flowers for Mike McGlinchey. I want you to just, I'm, it's time for you to just straight love Mike McGlinchey. He, he deserves it. He needs it. Uh, McGlinchey's been playing really good. McGlinchey in this offensive line, Jay Hill. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for you to talk about it. What, how do you think they played overall? And then what grade would you give them? So first of all, if we're going to talk about O-line. If you guys hadn't heard yet, Banksy's going to be okay. He probably he should be able to play our first playoff game. Thank God. He's been absolute rock in his first year. All once again, all the talk about it was a bust. He's a bust. He's a bust. Now he's going to be a Pro Bowler for the next uh, ten years. Actually, well, let's be honest let's, though. Let's be honest. The, the talk of him being a bust was, was not so much about the fact he didn't play in his first season, but the fact that he didn't look like he fit the mold right athletically for this system. Yeah. And there are some things that are different, but he's still dominant in the run game, which everyone thought. But I think it's the pass protection. Pretty good. Uh, he's he's very good moving yeah. on the inside. It's fantastic. Yeah, he is. So let's start with that one. Okay. Now, Mike McGlinchey. If he continues to play the way he's played for the rest of the season, hopefully through mid-February down in Arizona, I would consider a three, four-year deal around $55 million. I'd offer him that much Woo! because you, that's kind of, that's about a, a, a fair rate for a, a right tackle. I, I guarantee him about 35 of it. He's played well enough to at least consider that we don't need to use a draft pick or something else in agency to fix that hole that we all thought was a hole at the start of the season. He's played that well. We'll say that. Jason's struggling. It sounds I mean, I, 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 I feel like I've eaten more crow on this one than Eric Armstead because I did say Eric Armstead was a much better player inside than was outside. So that that's like a half win for me there. But this one's like a total loss for me here. Is that? Well, I mean, looks like last year he was not good. Like, 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 like to be honest, he was he didn't hurt play the whole season. He was hurt, but but even before he got hurt, he was still. He hasn't a lot of sack in six games now. He uh, usually gets one holding penalty, but if I remember correctly, he didn't even have any holds yesterday, no, too. He didn't. So that pretty good, I will, I will say. Yeah, with McGlinchey, 2019, he got hurt. Him and Joe Staley both got hurt during the season. After that, I think he tried to change up 
his body. He, he went, went thinner. Vegan, right? He went he thinner. Yeah, he, he went thinner. And then 2021, that or 2020, that didn't pay off for him because then he couldn't anchor. And that was a real problem for him. He got walked into quarterbacks pretty consistently. So in 2021, he was like, you know what? Let's take it back to the bulk show, baby. And he got up to, you know, 320 pounds. And that was a lot for him. And that's why his body couldn't hold up on the bottom. So it's been a matchup of him trying to find the right weight. He's found it now. He's 310. Yep. He's not as light as 2020. He's not as heavy as 2021. He's right dab in the middle. I think they figured it out. And now that he's healthy, he's playing right. Now, I want to ask you this, Jason. Where does Mike McGlinchey sit rank-wise as right tackle in the league? Where would you put him? And this is right tackle, not tackle. Right. Just right tackle. Um, sorry. The Bills and Bagel game is... is suspended because a a bill's safety collapsed on the field oh that's not good no that's not wow that's kind of scary um right tackle as of right now you have to say he's up five or six uh, maybe even i, I mean go, go ahead and leave him in that top five i i see you trying to get him out of the top five well six, i was thinking maybe lionel collins with him going down for the rest of the year that opens up a spot for, for like to move up a bindu. So I guess probably top five now, yeah. I love having to hear you admit it. And you're struggling, and I'm loving every <laughs> single minute of it. Oh, I feel so good about it. Uh, and I will say this, uh, uh, in the short term, Aaron Banks being out with Daniel Brunskill, him and Burford, that, that what they've been doing, playing off and on, the 49ers are well-equipped to handle... Aaron Banks being out. Dan Brunskill is a starting caliber guard in this league. Yeah. And Spencer Burford is proving to be one of those. And because he's, he's got all the reps he's gotten this season, he's ready to go at right guard. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Are you worried about the defense, Jason? I'm not even going to play around. Are you worried Here about we go. So, is that did, did I love seeing them get shredded by Jarrett's J-A-J-E-R-R-E-T guy? <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, but I get it kind of because show me where where the defensive staff could to pull film up of him playing with Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Please, I'd like to see that video because like there there was none. So even the video that that they had of him on the Patriots, he didn't have those four or five guys to get the ball too. So it, it would be, I get it. What I, what I want to see is how they play against chiefs. Like if they come out next week and the Chiefs whose defense is not nearly as good as ours, hold, hold them to like eight, nine, 10 points. Then I'd be like, yeah, some, something could be the films out on him and, and, and things happen. So, um, some of the coverage issues I didn't like, but when has Diamador Lenore ever had success against Monte? Like, like, like that's just like a bad matchup. At, and you know, we we did a pretty good job against Jacobs. Like he he he's the league's leading rusher now. I don't think he got to seventy five yards even. So he got sixty sixty eight or something. Sixty six, I think. So, yeah, it was. something yeah. like that. So that's not bad. Like that, that wasn't bad. But the Ufanga again missing a, a coverage assignment on on the Waller touchdown. Mm-hmm. Seems like w- once a game he gets just completely lost as to who he's supposed to cover. That's we talked about that like two two weeks ago. That that needs to get get straightened out. Um, I'm not overly worried because they 
they didn't play bad. Like, it wasn't. It, it's kind of like with Purdy. We have this expectation for the bar to be so high. When, when it doesn't happen, it's kind of like, oh, that's different. Is it troubling? If it ha if they give up twenty five plus to the that that version of, of Arizona this week, then we come back showing it next week, and then we discuss actually being worried. To me, this is a one off. It, if Derek Carr played, they wouldn't have scored. You know, they they probably would have gotten be twenty one, but with the different quarterback, all that kind of stuff, it just threw everything off. I'm I'm not, so on the scale of like one to ten being like. One, I'm not worried at all. To ten, oh my God, they're they're, they're going to lose the first round. One and a half, two. Yeah, here, here, here it comes. Here comes some knowledge for your behind, Jason. Uh, the the Washington God. Commanders are the ones who figured out the blueprint on how to score on the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Uh, they max protected. They ran vertical routes. They gave their guys time, and that's when they could take advantage of Tyshawn Gibson. They could take advantage of Talano Hufanga peeking in the backfield. They could take advantage of Diameter Lenore. Uh, they know that those are the weaknesses. We've seen other teams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, try to take advantage of Jimmy Ward. It didn't work Doesn't with great work. success. They thought he was the weakness. Now they figured out what the weakness is. What it is for the 49ers is now figuring out how to counteract that. Um, I said in the, the Patreon breakdown where I did a scouting report, I said straight up that was going to be the game plan of the Raiders, what they did, uh, going ahead and doing what they did and running play-action pass, and they did a good job of taking advantage of the 49ers' aggressiveness early. I think with Tao Hufanga, I'm going to be consistent on what my beliefs are with him is he's trusting his pre-snap reads more than his eyes when the play happens. Yep. So what he's going to have to do is learn that, yes, your pre-snap reads are going to give you an idea of what play is coming, but you have to trust your eyes when that play happens. I thought Mark Sanchez actually did a very good job of illustrating that he focused on the tackle, the extra tackle in. Believe that indicated it was going to be run, a run. Run, run, and what you got from you know uh, McDaniel's was a guy that you know switched up a tendency, and they they took advantage of it. Hufanga's one on one with Darren Waller. I'm not sure that's the best scenario for the 49ers, but one Hufanga was able to handle in the second drive where he carried Waller into the end zone. So yeah. he does learn from mistakes, which is good. Now, should we be worried? No, because if this is now a consistent, right? It's a copycat league. This is the consistency. Max protect. No, the 49ers can't get home with four, beat their coverage on the back end. So what do you got to do with it? Get exotic with blitzes and also figure out how to take care of those coverage things in the back end. Are you worried about Diomar Lenore as a starting corner for the 49ers heading into the playoffs? If he's if he's covering Skitty Lamb, if he's covering A.J. Brown, covering Justin Jefferson, if he's covering Lockett, if he's covering... Even maybe maybe a little Christian Watson because he he's a huge Fast. he's 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 a six three six four guy who runs a low four two four three so if if, if he's isoed against those guys I think I think most teams would would or, or most fan bases most teams wouldn't want their second corner isoed man to man on those guys so but. As long as he's not, as long as he, he he's not not isolated and has help over the top, I'm not worried. Here's why I have a little bit of concerns. Diamond Lenore has been one of the best tackling corners, you know, in the league. Like he doesn't miss tackles normally. In this game, he missed tackles. In this game, he he didn't even squeeze tackles down. Like he gave too much space for Jacobs in the run game. The run fits concern me. You got to make sure you do those at a high level. So 
there are some things about Diomedo Little that scared me. I thought also what was on display was lack of ball skills, something that Samuel Womack doesn't have a problem with, right, normally. Right. Um, and I think that was a little concerning because there was a couple times that, you know, there was plays made over the top of Lenore, which I'm concerned about. So if we have a little bit of concerns about it, is it time for Jackrabbit? Could Janoris Jenkins be an answer the 49ers turn to? Kyle Shanahan said last Kyle week said no, yeah. Jack Rabbit wasn't going to be a starter, but he could figure into the 49ers' depth and be the first guy in and... with them maybe having a little trouble with these teams targeting Yamano Lenora. Could we see Jack Rabbit here against Arizona maybe to take a look to see what he could do in the playoffs? I I think if, if they aren't 100% convinced that Lenora can keep up the guys that we talked about, ultimately, uh, Keen Allen or Stefan Diggs at some point, or those kind of guys that are on, this is the perfect situation to to try him out because the Arizona's got some good receivers. They've obviously the guy that's playing quarterback. I don't I don't even know his name anymore. It's not Cole McCoy. It's not Nick Sorley. It's I don't even know who the hell it is now, but. So there'll be a drop a drop off from who gets the ball to those guys, but there's still guys that are, are are pretty good players. So I think that I I think maybe this might be a good time to throw him out there for a half, even just kind of like and, and see how he does. And and if he can stay on the those guys, then might be something that they have to evaluate going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things, right? Right now would be a really, really good time to go ahead and take a look, you know, at at how Jack Rabbit's looking. He came in in that one game, and I thought he did pretty good. Um, so David Blah, David Blow, or David Blow, Blah, David Blaine, am I the best? <laughs> yeah, uh, not Trace McSorley. So, uh, we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. It's it's one of those things where, you know, we got Hopkins questionable, Robbie Anderson's questionable, Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy could play in this football game. Marquise is out there still, and the shell still of A.J. Brown, but he still makes some plays. Yeah. Too, so. Well, okay. I think Jack Rabbit should be elevated for this football game. You know, you know make sure that he's up uh, to see what you got. And that way, too, if you start blowing him out, you could put Jack Rabbit in in place of Charvarius Ward and see exactly what kind of reps you know you can get out of him. I think it's something to take a look at uh, because he's a guy that's played a lot of football in this league. He understands different concepts and schemes, probably in full you know conditioning now and ready to help out. And I think you have to make a decision because you have nothing but young cats behind Charvarius Ward, Samuel Womack, you know Diamond Lenore, Ambry Thomas. I think it's time for them to kind of you know take a look at it. Now, Jason, let's get to the, the the number two seed. The 49ers have secured the number two seed. Minnesota Vikings finally lose the game. Uh, they've been flirting they with it, flirted with it with the Colts, flirted with it with the New York football giants. Now it finally gets done. The Packers absolutely hammer the Minnesota Vikings. So, got the number two seed, Jason. Hmm? Let's take yeah. a look. Let's talk. We about had this the, conversation last week. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's talk about the playoff picture a little bit because. You've got the teams right there for that seven seed, and that's who the 49ers would be playing. If it was all done right now, the 49ers would play the Seattle Seahawks. But Seattle, Green Bay, and Detroit are all in the mix for that last spot. Now with the NFL coming out with their schedule, Green Bay is going to be playing Detroit Sunday night football with all eyes on to see who potentially is going to be that spot. So 
the situation goes, and we'll explain it. Make sure I explain it right, Jason. Yes. If if the Green Bay Packers win, they're in. They're the Regardless, number seven seed. Yes. If Seattle wins and Detroit wins, Seattle's in. Mm-hmm. If Detroit wins and Seattle loses, then the Detroit is in. Yep. So that is kind of the things that happen for that seven seed. The locked-in seeds are Tampa Bay at four and the New York Football Giants at six. Right. Everything so, else is up in the air. Yep. Now let me ask you this: 49ers are the number two seed. Mm-hmm. Do you where do you want them to be? Do you do you want them at number one? Do you want them at two, or do you want them at three? One obviously is nice because you, you you get a buy and you're at you're at home. Del Glendale, so. But one also means you get the, li- likely you get the, the Cowboys or the Eagles, round two. Right. And then you have to probably play one the the, the other of those teams. The the, the next week so. Right. And if you don't get the Cowboys or the Eagles in round two, then you get Tom Brady. And not 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 entirely. What if the New York Football Giants beat the Minnesota Vikings, and you're the number one seed? You get the Football Giants right. in round two. Which, Is that and that would send Dallas and Philly to play each other? Yeah, which that'd be ideal there. Like that would because as I said last last week, I want the Giants at all costs. Like give me the Giants. And Did I'm the happy. Giants not almost beat the Vikings? I don't they 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 are a product of Brian Dayball, who I love and I wish the Chargers had hired him two years ago. If that was the case, yeah, the Chargers would be a Super Bowl team. So this just proves that I'm I'm wrong on some things, but I was dead ass right on him because that that team is paper and glue and magic tricks. Like he's making Daniel Jones look competent. Daniel Jones has been trashed for years he's finally got structure in a good system it that's kind of what, that's what he what he brings though it's starting to right sam darnold same sort of situation he's starting to look better now that he's got wilkes at the helm structure and a good system yeah and a very good running game coaching matters yeah it, it does like, coaching like, like, matters yeah <laughs> so i the reason i say this is because there's a lot of scenarios right green bay is one of the one of the scarier teams right now because they're starting to get hot i'm on the part of green bay but here's the thing when people naturally think well, you know, we don't want the number one seed because we want to stay away from Dallas and Philly. But what if you're you're winning the number one seed actually causes that to happen? Because the odds are that one of those teams that's in the wild card is going to win one of those divisional matchups. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and at worst, it's Tampa Bay. I would love for the 49ers to play Tampa Bay. Uh, Vita Bay is back, again. though. And uh, the, the Tom's gotten on track with Mike Evans again. Now, here's Sean. Does, does, does Mike Evans know Trevorius Ward? But get to still, know him. Still, get to know him. Just get to know him. They just had. They just look different. Yeah, they did look different. Down thirty-five to seven Sean, against the forty. Once again, no Vita Vea, and they had a couple other injuries. That well, Vita Vea helped. was there. He just faked an injury to avoid Jake Brendel. Oh God! Oh Jesus! Just okay, kidding. Horse, I'm just kidding, down. but having um, some fun with it. Yeah. So, so Sean Payton said something that I thought was very interesting because obviously he was the coach of this, the eleven and five Saints when they, when they played the. Seven and nine Seahawks and the Beast Quake and the Skittles flying everyone's stuff. In that first playoff game, the last like 10 years, teams that are under 500 and going to the playoffs are actually four and two. Okay. So, they, so, so, shockingly enough, 
They've actually won more games, obviously, than they've lost being under 500. So, and potentially that will, because right now the Bucks are eight and eight, and they've already clinched. They can't lose. They can't go up and down. So, if they don't, it wouldn't shock me if a bunch of their guys sit. So they could easily end up eight and nine going in, in, into that game against Dallas. Now, the thing with the Eagles, the thing with the Eagles is, the more I kind of listen to people talk and kind of read things, the more I'm sensing that this Jalen Hurts injury is a bigger thing than, than, than the Eagles are actually letting on. Like, and my bigger, like, he might not play this week and he might not even play the first playoff game. So if we get that, we do get the one seed and they end up playing Green Bay, playing Green Bay or somebody else. If they're the five seed, they might play Tampa Bay. Yeah, at, at five, they'd get Tampa. But if they were two, then they would get either Seattle or whoever. So potentially him being hurt and not playing throws that team into, into completely different, as we saw this week, where the Saints, which obviously have a really good defense. They but do. They that they made the they made Gardner, Minshew and crew look, and the Bucks have a good defense. The Packers defense is starting to play kind of at the level that played at last year. So with no Jalen Hurts, that could bounce the Eagles out that first round. So, and at that point, that that really opens things up because. <laughs> With them or with him playing, they're a much scarier team than without him. So I don't know, but if if I had to choose between the two or three seed, I'd be okay with the three seed actually still. Yeah, I think you always want to be the highest seed you could possibly be. I know, but yeah, if I'd you can get Giants, and if you though. can get a bye week, well, uh, yes. you get a bye week. You sit at home and you you play the you know you play the cards as they lie. You know, just let let it happen. You know, play the ball as it lies. Golf and, talk. Yeah, yeah there, there you go. go. Look at you. Oh, uh, I went, I went straight happy Gilmore. Oh, you know? well, golf talk. Um, and, and, I, I think I think I that's just what, the, you like just a have, month though. You just have to let it happen and just you know go off of that because you know you don't know how it's going to turn out. And you're right. I mean, you if the 49ers end up one, there's scenarios where the Cowboys, you know, the Cowboys have to win, the Eagles have to lose, uh, and then the Cowboys would go ahead and, and take over the division. I mean, you might get a situation where it's actually Tampa knocking off Philly in the first round. Very possible. And Dallas getting knocked off by Green Bay in the first round. Also possible because or, or even owns right. the Cowboys. Or so. Detroit, right? Or the Fort, you know, or uh, the Seahawks. Somebody getting that win. I think those are possible. I think Detroit or Green Bay could knock off Dallas or Philly if yeah. Philly doesn't have Jalen Hurts. Yep. And then what then all of a sudden you've got the 49ers sitting there in the divisional round against Detroit, Green Bay, you know, or the Seahawks. And Jason, that makes me ask you, who would you rather play in the playoffs out of those three teams? Let's just say the 49ers sit at two. Who would you rather play? Detroit, Green Bay, or Seattle? 100 percent Seahawks. And I know all all the numbers say that when you play a team for the third time, it's and, and after after beating them the first two, so it's almost a 50-50 win lost third time. But I'm gonna trust the Geno Smith led Seahawks can't do enough creatively offensively to get by what they've seen us do defensively. Whereas Amon Ross St. Brown, their two running backs that they have an emerging I didn't know. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. And uh, 
Jameson Williams are all, and even Jared, Jared Goss playing really well. Like, yeah. he's, he, he, he looks like this is the best he's played since, like, year one, year two, when with uh, the old cool guy hair down there. Um, so I, I don't want to see them. I don't, I, I mean, I, of, of the three, I, I don't want the Packers the most. So, and I think Kyle and D'Amico can outcoach Dan Campbell, even though he's done a hell of a job with the, that team. But, but give me the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I think if you're looking at it, you automatically put Green Bay in a different category because even though the 49ers have had recent success in the playoffs, you know, against the Packers and Shanahan pretty much owns LaFleur for the most part, they have an elite quarterback. So let's just take the elite quarterback out of it. Then you've got Jared Goff. He's not elite, but you're right. He's playing better. And then you've got Seattle, who the 49ers have proven that they definitely are a bad matchup for. Uh, the Seahawks aren't exactly healthy. They have the worst offensive line out of the three groups. I think, to me, they're the most enticing. Hey, if we can play Seattle, let's do that. And then I think it goes Detroit and then Green Bay. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, I, I'd play all three of them because I think the 49ers could win. But I, I just wanted to see what you thought of that. Now, let's talk a little bit about the cards, Jason. 49ers versus Cardinals. Uh, what do you want to see out of this game? Is I mean, you know, there's some matchups and stuff, but what no do you injuries. want to see? No injuries. No injuries. That's, That's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you get, get the game healthy? And what about like Debo and Elijah Mitchell? Do you want to see them reacclimated into the offense? I want them to be like on the Javon Kinlaw pitch count that he used back the first game. Give him ten to fifteen reps. Give him each five or six touches, and then get the helmet off. Get, get the jacket on and have a seat, boys. I think in the perfect a perfect scenario, the 49ers could treat this like a dress rehearsal game in the in the preseason. Mm -hmm. uh, you could play, you know, most of your starters, you know, quarter and a half to two quarters. Uh, get some of them out. You know, continue to play with Brock Purdy because you need him to continue to get, you know, some some reps. But once you got to the third quarter, you're hoping it's all backups. You've got the game under wraps. Of course, I'm sure somebody's going to be keeping an eye on the Eagles game because if the Eagles are losing, you're going to play, you know, full Eagles throttle. Losing, then, then it you're, you're going for the number one seed. Yeah. So uh, they're at the same time. The NFL did that. Minnesota will have played already, so the four yards will know if Minnesota won. Um, if Minnesota didn't win, they're for sure secured in the two. It's all about the number one seed. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, there's something to play for still, so the four yards can't go completely fully pulled off. And I don't think Kyle wants to either. I don't think he does, but I – I'd rather us be healthy and be the two of the three than be the one seed with, with no Trent though. You know, like that's. Yeah. But you, you win the, you win the number one seed for this reason. And I'm not saying you, you want to lose Trent. You don't want to lose anyone, but you have to go full go for the one seed because you know what you won't do in the wild card round. Why lose. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and that's important, right? <laughs> you, you don't have that match. If you get to sit back, watch the other teams, uh, you get to, you know, get rest. I mean, could you develop some rust? Yes. Uh, but I think that a veteran think team like this, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, no. Uh, Kyle's been around the game for far too long to let rust in. And so. I think 2019 was pivotal, them getting that number one oh, seed yeah, and it being able to rest. They came out and went gangbusters on the Vikings and Green Bay Packers. So yep. uh, I think the similar, the similar situation would be great. Now let's get a really bold prediction, Jason, for this game against the Cardinals. Really bold prediction. Well... I was going to say, so, really bold. Josh Johnson throws two touchdown passes. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, on slightly offsides, Horsewind with Diameter North has an interception. Oh, oh so I, I like your bold. 
His ball skills, that's really bold. Here, <laughs> you know what my bold prediction is? The 49ers finish 13-4 and four and the number one seed in the playoffs. I think they, I think the Giants and Dabble go in there and, and beat the Eagles and the 49ers he, get the number one seed. He kind of got that that Dan Campbell mentality too. He, 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 he doesn't say as many crazy-ass things as Dan does, but I can see him being like, nah, man, we playing this game. Like, let's go. Right. Like, yeah. fuck up and go. Yeah, set, you set the tone, right? Yeah. That's what you got to do, set the tone. And so what's the score prediction, 49ers versus Arizona Cardinals? So off last week. I don't even know. We were all off. Don't <laughs> that was bad. Um, God, I'm going to go... Uh, go... 27, I, 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 I like 27. 27 to, to 9. 27 to 9, I like that. Yeah, I mean, if it's not Colt McCoy, right, the offense potentially could struggle. They looked awful against yeah. the Falcons. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, if it was if it was uh, Trace McSorley, you'd have to worry about him running all yeah. around, uh, but that's not the case here. Yeah, I think, I think you could be right, Jason. Of course, I'll give my prediction on the game preview show that comes out later this week. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Make sure you like the video. Subscribe if you haven't already. We're pushing close to 3,500 subscribers. Let's that was there. a goal to get there before the end of the season. You guys can help make that happen. So join the Cutback crew today. And also, if you like extra content, head over to Patreon. A new episode of Slightly Offsides is over there with me and Horse. And, of course, the Scouting Report breakdown is going to be showing up as well. Uh, so I hope you guys all enjoyed the show. I know we enjoyed doing it. Looking forward to seeing how this thing all plays out. We'll catch you on the next episode of Ant Hill next week. True. All right, guys. Everyone have a good one. Go Niners. Stay safe. Happy New Year.